All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith. And I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation. Could be business, could be personal, but it requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. But the people who get our attention, convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, this uh, this person I got on today is you know someone I'm excited to talk to. He's a uh, head of sales at the Sales Rebellion. Those of you that re- remember Dale Dupree um, early on in, in one of my first episodes, uh, he works closely with him. Um, dude is, I love, uh, it titles himself a professional attention getter, crafter of creative copy. We're going to dig into a whole lot of that today. This dude just gets it when it comes to uh, creative ways to uh, get people's attention and their outreach. Um, I am so pleased to welcome uh, this dude. Please welcome none other than Jeremiah Griffin to the podcast. Welcome, Jeremiah. Alex, I don't think I've had anybody say my name so excitedly since I played college basketball. So I appreciate that. Nice. Yeah, we need like some like, uh, I don't know what your walkout music was, but yeah, some chalk jams. Those are my kids. My kids yell my name pretty emphatically sometimes too. It, it, nice. You might have just heard them pounding on the door as well. So yeah. All right. Six, five, six feet coming out of, you know, Georgia. Yeah. Let's welcome Jeremiah Griffin. All right. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, you know, this is going to be a good conversation. Um, I think we, a lot of people definitely, um, get things confused when it terms, uh, when it, when it comes to getting people's attention and, um, people don't even know really what it means or really what a a great, um, you know, just what to even think about, like the frameworks, uh, with it. So we'll talk about how you thought about that and like where you were in your career when maybe you struggled with it and, and what you learned. Um, before I do that, uh, though, Jeremiah, I, I, I am asking everyone this question. I think you'd be able to be a, have a great answer. And so the title of the, the podcast is Stories of Selling Human. So when I say the term sell by being human, what's that mean to you? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, so I think the easiest way for there's probably all sorts of ways people have answered this and and uh, lots of different ways you could go. But to me, it's as simply as something that we learned when, I mean, I was probably maybe about five when I learned uh, or remember learning the golden rule, uh, you know, treating others like you'd want to be treated. Um, if, if we could keep that in mind in our sales walk, in our personal walk, you know, we would, we'd be totally fine. Because whenever I think of it, think of it in, a, in terms of sales, um, if I'm thinking, uh, you know, how, how it would be for the person on the other end. Uh, if I'm going to treat them like I want to be treated, then obviously I'm not going to make assumptions uh, that may or may not be true. I'm going to seek to give experiences that they're going to enjoy. Uh, I'm not just going to push my agenda down their throat. Uh, it's going to be about, um, you know, uh, about them and creating mutual wins and, uh, and a good, relationship building strong, you know, ironclad relationships rather than uh, maybe locking someone into an ironclad agreement that they can't get out of or something like that. So 
Uh, for me, I think it's probably just the the simple stuff that we learned as a as a child. Um, a lot of times, I think we can go back to uh, that sort of thing, and um, and so yeah, that's that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's a great answer. I I, I like that ironclad relationship rather than ironclad agreements because it's uh yeah. So we're, we're a lot of times people kind of confused. They try to like they're they're pushing their agendas so much um, nowadays, and not just like just how would you want to be on the other end of this? Like if you were receiving whatever I'm you're, you're, you're dishing out, like, would it feel good to you? Would that experience be great to you? And if the answer is like, oh, I don't know, or maybe like uh, that wouldn't like rub me the right way, then, then maybe, maybe change it up a bit. Um, we'll, we'll talk about a, a little bit about like, you've had a, a, a you know, pretty, um, you know, decent career in sales and now you're doing some, you know, sales coaching. Talk to me about like, like maybe where you saw this shift take place in your own career. Cause you talk about on LinkedIn, like you were, you, you've kind of been in the, in like a sales role where you were at 70% of your goal and just kind of going through the motions. We hear that term a lot, uh, maybe. Um, so talk about like, maybe, um, you know, what that uh, experience was like and where you saw things that could be done maybe in a different way of, of doing what you just said. Yeah, so I kind of had basically two separate sales careers uh, because I started in sales right out of college. Uh, so I was a former college athlete, like I said at the beginning, and most of us former college athletes end up going into, into sales, right? So that's where I ended up. I was selling uh, insurance, financial services, uh, telecom and stuff for a few years. Um, and it was... Uh, when I started my sales career, we didn't even have, you know, smartphones yet or anything like that. So it was still pretty old school uh, from the standpoint of you could, you know, get people on the phone pretty easily. Uh, you didn't even really email a lot. You know, most stuff was still done over the phone. People didn't, you know, get most of their information through internet searches. And so all the stuff that you probably remember uh, yeah. early in your sales yeah. career too. Uh, but I basically, I, I shifted from uh, sales into, I started uh, my first business uh, a few years after I started in sales. Uh, and then I started a couple more and basically went down this entrepreneurship path for uh, about a decade. Um, one of them wasn't so successful. The other two were uh, pretty successful, um, but I ended up selling uh, two of those and thinking about what I wanted to do next. One of, there was a, a variety of reasons why I sold, uh, one of them being that I could tend to be kind of a workaholic, which isn't the greatest thing when you're an entrepreneur and have a young growing family with four young kids and, and all that sort of thing. So I didn't want to just hop right back into another business or anything. So, uh, so sales, of course, being what I was experienced in, I jumped back into a, a B2B sales role, which I had done B2B sales before. Uh, but it was totally different. Uh, you know, now all the things that I mentioned before of the things that didn't exist and how you could get somebody on the phone pretty easily. And that was like really the main thing that you used. Uh, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't really the case anymore. So I, and it's funny because my businesses uh, were children's entertainment and education. And so there was a lot of creativity around uh, the marketing of it, the uh, just the general nature of what the business was. Uh, but I didn't bring that into my B2B sales career after my businesses. I kind of reverted back to what I knew B2B sales to be before I started the businesses. So it's kind of weird, but basically I went back to being the boring salesperson uh, that was just 
essentially calling people up, sending pretty boring emails that nobody would want to read. Uh, and I had a, you know, I, I, I got a few wins here and there, but I was just uh, struggling. Uh, and I didn't, I was, that's not something I was used to uh, in my sales and entrepreneurial uh, career. And so I felt like, you know, I knew that it was my approach. I knew that, uh, you know, just I was getting ignored. And so I needed a different way. Uh, but I couldn't kind of get out of my own head and figure out what that might be. So I stumbled across uh, Dale when he had first started uh, the Sales Rebellion. And I was, on, I was listening to a podcast. It was probably about seven minutes in. And he shared a QR code that went to a Copier Warrior video. And so I went right to the video because it was recording. It wasn't live or anything. And so I went right to the video, paused the podcast, watched this short one minute video. And I said, man, that's the stuff that I've got to be doing. This is the type of thing that I love. And so I can't imagine why uh, the people that I would reach out to wouldn't love this type of thing as well. So I think I was on a call with Dale about, you know, 20, within 24 hours, um, you know, went through everything. He told me the prize. I was like, wow, that's a lot. Uh, and then 12 <laughs> hours later, I was like, well, sign me up anyway. So let's do it. And, uh, and so that's basically when the shift started for me. I knew that there needed to be a change, but I didn't know what that really looked like until I encountered Dale and the Rebellion on that Sales Hacker podcast. Cool. Well, you know, let's talk about it. Like, that was a great road. I mean, like, like two different roads. Like, you know, a lot of people may, may be still in the first. They're just kind of, again, they're just trying to get a number. They're getting in. They're in this kind of like just robot kind of motion maybe they just where they catch themselves sometimes even like you you have the best intentions like i bet you you know it's not like you were necessarily like a just a um like just a, a like a, a sleazy or or a um you know kind of a, a a bad salesperson it just got to be like you said we're boring you know what just wasn't fun it wasn't like it didn't excite you you were kind of just like you know kind of stagnant in your career um, and so what was it like about like this outreach? Cause I want people to, to talk. Um, and I guess when you think of like, when he did that video, like obviously, you know, kind of breaking the, the norm of what you typically see, why do you think getting people's attention in that way with a video, why do you think that that's effective, um, you know, in terms of reaching people and maybe talk about like things that, you noticed when you started trying this yourself and what, what, what did that bring you? Yeah, I think for me personally and uh, the experience that I like to have as a consumer, but also seeking to give to others and their reception to that, um, that video in particular and the ones that I did, you know, used a lot of humor. I think that you've probably seen that copier warrior video, but it used a lot of humor uh, while speaking to you know, directly to the the issues that we face on an everyday basis. So it was just very, uh, you know, direct and to the point and something that we could all relate to, uh, but not just in a, you know, in a, in a text format talking about the percentages of, uh, you know, productivity that we're losing or something like that. So, so for me, humor, humor is a big part of any kind of outreach that I do. Um, and it's always going to catch my attention. Uh, and I, there's not that many people out there that can see something uh, funny and engaging like that 
and not stop and pay attention for at least a little bit. And so for me, it's the it's just the the humor and the ability to speak to the the problems that we're having in a relatable way and tell a story in a relatively quick amount of time, uh, you know, through a short video. And so it's uh, it's entertainment. Um, yeah. You know, people want to be entertained, even if it's a business type of setting. Uh, we're always, you know, willing to to stop and be entertained. So I think those are the kind of the biggest things about it. Yeah. What, where do you think, um, you know, because I love like that, like, yeah, you know, injecting humor, trying to be a little fun. Um, I feel like sometimes people may think that like doing these things are, they use the word like they're gimmicks. They're like, you know, they're, they're just kind of, they're, they're fun, they're humorous, you know, and like, they're like, you know, they're just, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're kind of like on the periphery. They're things you could do. They're nice to have. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're fun. They're cool things. And that's great, but not like a central part of their strategy. So where do you think the difference is of something that's more of a gimmick versus doing this, um, you know, in, te- uh, in, in a way that's really effective and lands with people? Like, what are the differences there in your mind? Yeah, that's a good point because there are some gimmicky things like, uh, not that, not to say that they wouldn't work to, you know, yeah. get these, uh, attention initially, but, uh, you know, I think of some of the, the things like buying, you know, these are things that I've tried too, but, uh, buying <laughs> the little, you know, plastic or rubber foot, uh, you know, it looks like a bare foot. You send it to someone and say, this is my way of getting, you know, my, my foot in the door, um, <laughs> Uh, attaching a dollar bill or a million dollar bill to a top of a letter and saying, I wanted to get your attention. Um, you know, there are different things like that. The biggest difference to me is that those things are still focused on me. You know, when we think of the foot, this is kind of a good example, right? I wanted to get my foot in the door. Well, that's really only focused on me wanting to get a meeting with you or a conversation with you. Yeah. It doesn't really communicate a whole lot about, you know, what's in it for them, um, you know, which, you know, we all hear about with them, uh, what's in it for me, and we should be thinking, you know, uh, really what's in it for them when we're thinking about our outreach. But a lot of that gimmicky stuff is really just trying to have kind of that initial pattern interrupt without um, tying it into a story uh, that's about them and the things that they could accomplish, uh, communicating how the status quo may not be uh, great. It's really just, uh, like you said, a, a gimmick to try to get someone's attention on your message in the moment, because it really just focuses on in the moment stuff. Let's try to use this, you know, this one thing and maybe they'll pay attention. Maybe when I follow up, they'll remember the foot I sent them and they'll be willing to book some time with me. Uh, but a lot of times I think what happens is it doesn't really go anywhere after that. Uh, and maybe an, an even a no show because there's not a lot of value uh, created yeah. in that moment. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, like um, yeah, if you're just doing something to remember the thing that you did, um, but not like the long term um, like benefit. Like if it doesn't hit them, like okay, yeah, this this actually it it, it combines the humor and the value, and it's like immediate. And this person knows me, or they like I I can see that they've not just put the work in, but they like know me. Like it's mm-hmm. not just something that I feel like they're doing this to like 10 other people and sending them a foot 
or whatever yeah. or a dollar bill to get in the door. Like this is personalized. They couldn't send this to anybody but me. Right. Um, is is kind of the feeling. Or again, going back to what you said in the beginning, treating people like the way they'd want to be treated. So, you know, I think let's talk about like like some examples, like you know, to get for the person. Let's start out like and and like talk about your roles. So that now you're kind of you're like you know head of sales. You're 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 launch, like you've launched these like these um, small group core cohorts on creative prospecting. Um, and I imagine people come at it with all sorts of levels, people that have been doing prospecting for a while, people that are just completely new, um, people that have never sent something super creative, and you're just kind of coming out here trying to get them to do some totally off the wall stuff. And it, they're like, whoa, like, I don't even know if that's like me. That's like, I, I can't even see how sending a coffee stained letter to somebody could actually work. Um, how do you get people started? Um, in this thing and maybe some example, like what are some examples to help people, um, you know, be creative that maybe struggle with creativity? Yeah. So the, the role that I'm in now is really cool because I'm still uh, prospecting and, uh, you know, we're still a pretty small organization. So I'm still handling sales calls and, and doing the creative outreach, which I would never really stop that since that's the, and Dale would say the same thing. We're not going to stop prospecting because that's the you know the stuff that we teach so we don't want to uh to fall out of touch uh with any of that so um but it's a it's an interesting point that you make because there is this there's this kind of permission almost uh that's needed for students that come into the programs uh or, or maybe they're not even a formal student and they're in the slack group uh you know the free slack uh, group community that we have uh or something but it's almost like they are looking for this permission to be creative because there's not a whole lot of that cultivating creativity in a lot of organizations. Of course, it's, it's, uh, you know, the same old, same old stuff. And maybe we'll try a few hacks here and there that I saw that I thought yeah. was cool and LinkedIn, yeah. but it doesn't really go that far. Right. It's not really out in the left field, uh, how, how people would, uh, would see that. And so, uh, there's an encouragement to, there's a lot of encouragement to just try, uh, at first, and the letter campaign is a really good example of something that is um, is is something that something uh, that someone can use initially that doesn't that isn't extremely uh, you know it's not so far out there that uh, that people are necessarily scared to send it. Now there's definitely trepidation for most people to thinking like, oh, is this going to work? Is this you know crumpled up piece of paper gonna gonna work? Is the coffee stain gonna work, the pre-burnt letter, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. Um, it, it's kind of the wrong question, of course, because when we talk about what, you know, what, uh, if it will work, it's, that's still usually like a short-term type of thought, right? Because uh, we think of it in terms of, is this gonna work to get me a meeting? Um, you know, some people may be thinking, are they gonna hate this? Uh, but no, not, you know, people aren't really gonna hate it because it is different. It's, it does use humor. It is an interesting approach. And it's because it's so different, uh, interesting, and there's a lot of value tied to it for them talking about what's in it for them. Uh, then it's just a it's totally different ballgame when you reach out that way. So the letter campaign is great, uh, kind of a great first step for people. Uh, and with students, we, you know, we write that basically that whole thing for them. Uh, so they don't have to worry about uh, you know, coming up with all the creative stuff for themselves. Uh, we walk 
we walk through that with them. Uh, like I said, it's mostly done for them, but we do it. We do it with them so that they can be a part of the creative process. The more you do creative things, the more creative you get. So um, we encourage them to start writing their own messages. You know, bring them to us for, uh, you know, just for review and you know, giving our feedback on those and just building confidence in that way. Uh, but it definitely is a uh, a buildup uh, and a slow buildup for for some folks at first. Uh, not everybody is just one to dive, you know, head first into uh, sending some of the stuff that you know that I might send on a daily basis. Yeah, so there's that part to it. What are some fun stories about like things that you've done that have gotten like a response um, for folks out there that are trying to like spur up their creativity or maybe look a little more into what you are doing with the uh, sales rebellion in this uh, this group? Yeah, so a few good examples that anybody pretty much could execute. That's not you know the letter campaign. Anybody can buy the letter campaign, of course. Um, but it's, it can be a little daunting when, you know, looking to write your own thing from the, you know, from the template or something. So that can be daunting to folks, but some things that, uh, that we've done that people can execute on right away is, uh, one good story I sent to a VP of sales, uh, was a personalized cutting board. Um, and now a sales rep at his company sends tons of cutting boards and gets, uh, a bunch of meetings with high-level companies like Bank of America, uh, Coca-Cola, Krispy Kreme, uh, Auto Nation, which isn't like a household name, but it's yeah. got like 20,000 employees. So like all sorts of success using just this cutting board campaign. The first part of it is the personalized cutting board. So uh, what I did is I couldn't get I couldn't get a hold of them through you know more conventional meeting or means sent uh, a couple letters and, and whatnot. So I did a little research, found out that he had uh, four kids just like me. They were basically right around the same age. And so I was trying to think of something that would appeal to the, the family, essentially, that was useful, that would, of course, get attention, but something that they would enjoy and keep and not be able to just like give it away to someone on his team. So what I did is I looked around for uh, for a cutting board because in our family, we're always preparing food, of course, lots of food, and we use lots of cutting boards. And it seems like sometimes all the cutting boards are dirty. Um, so we just, you know, that one extra one. So uh, he was a, a former uh, player for uh, Utah, for the, the University of Utah. So I found a Utah-shaped cutting board, and then I personalized it with his last name in the middle of it. And put a little uh, cold call bingo card on the uh, on the cutting board, and on the front of it has ha has all these different uh, things like blue sky thinking and basically all these buzzwords. Uh, so on the back, I put a, just a little short note that said, "Hey, I thought we could use this board to carve out some time uh, in the near future. Uh, I promise not to use any of the buzzwords on the front of this card. Otherwise, if I do." you can hang up immediately and then kind of had like a little smiley face. Uh, and then I didn't put my name or anything like that. I just put, I'll be in touch soon to reveal my identity when you least expect it. And just left it unsigned, no name, nothing, didn't have a return address with my name on the package. So when it got to him, he's got this cutting board that uh, he enjoyed a lot, uh, but has no idea who it's from, which to me is kind of a subconscious um, 
or subliminal maybe is the better word, uh, communicating of, I don't need something from you immediately. And mm-hmm. it's about you in this moment rather than me. You don't mm-hmm. even know, you didn't even need to know what my name is right now. I'll follow up, you know, sometime mm-hmm. soon. Maybe I won't, maybe, maybe you'll just have a cutting board and you'll never know who it's from, right? <laughs> uh, Shaped in the, the Utah, state of Utah. Yeah, who, exactly. Who is watching me from afar? Right, right. So I uh, I tried to call, um, didn't, you know, didn't get him on the phone, which wasn't surprising. Sent an email uh, with the first paragraph basically being, hey, I just wanted to check in and see if you got uh, the cutting board. Uh, you know, I uh, I know that there, you know, sometimes those things can, uh, you know, when they're impressive like that, they can get stolen. So I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't some charcuterie loving thief that's running around with a cutting board <laughs> that has literally your name on it. Um, so, uh, and then just kind of, you know, put what I was, you know, trying to get in touch with him about. Uh, mentioned uh, one of the other reps in his organization that w- that we worked with privately and, and things like that. And so uh, it got the meeting, um, you know, progressed through the deal and all, all sorts of good stuff. So that's one that pretty much anybody can do. And there are rebels using that to get meetings with uh, CISOs, which seem to be apparently the hardest people to get uh, meetings with um, and just, you know, large companies. So it, it really uh, resonates with a lot of prospects. And there's a whole you know, kind of campaign that goes along with that. But that's a great example. Uh, the unwritten story that I shared on uh, LinkedIn the other day, which can kind of be used in almost any situation, whether it's a, a first touch or the or the uh, attention getting piece to get the initial meeting, uh, a follow-up to a meeting, uh, sending to someone who's maybe ghosting you uh, right after the proposal uh, to send. And so uh, basically what it is, I actually have one if you can see it. So I just uh, I just did this one. So you've got a front cover. It's totally fake. You know, the the subtitle uh, being uh, this one, how a small expense management firm changed their approach and tripled their growth, having a lot of fun along the way. Uh, and then it has like a fake quote with a, you know, a, a fake person up at the top, like a, a random customer on the back. It has uh, all these different blurbs of, uh, you know, what's inside the book. And uh, I have a quote from like Chris Farley down here that says, if I hadn't come to uh, this company and learned how to rebel alongside them, I'd be living in a van down by the river. And it says, you know, Matt Foley, uh, rebel. Uh, And so uh, it has an about the author section inside. But when you open it up and flip through the book, it's just, it's about 20 blank pages. Uh, So it's just this blank book. And inside we put uh, this note that says, hey, this story uh, or this this book is blank because this story has yet to be written. Uh, and then the next uh, sentence would be something to the effect of, uh, should we get started on the first chapter? Or if it's a different situation, um, you know, we're, we'd be honored to help you make this book a reality or something like that. So that, that note kind of depends on the situation that you might be sending it in uh, or sending it along with. Um, but that's a, that's a really good example of something that actually has never failed, uh, to get a positive response. So if I've sent it to try to book a first meeting, it's always booked a meeting. Uh, if I've sent it, you know, in response to a proposal, I don't think I've lost, uh, one of those yet. Um, so it's just always worked really well. So those are two really good examples that basically could be executed by, you know, pretty much anybody. Interesting. So you, you've actually sent it to people, uh, 
that, um, yeah, not like just completely new, maybe they're, you know, somewhat like in the sales cycle a little bit, like uh, yeah. asking for a proposal or, you know, just, um, you know, maybe even a demo or something like that. Yeah, which is great because the I have more information uh, when I've already had a discovery call with someone. If I'm, you know, past the stage of where I've already met with them, I have so much good information that I can add into these little touches because it's again kind of going back to what you mentioned before with the gimmick well if it was if i was only worried about getting their attention with a gimmicky type of thing uh on the front end then i wouldn't do anything else you know throughout the sales process but uh our whole uh point of view is that you're always going to have to earn someone's someone's attention whether it's you know throughout the sales process uh, and that's probably why so many people get ghosted, right? Because they might they might even do something that's kind of cool and clever uh, at the beginning, but they don't keep that experience going. And so if things start to lag, um, you know, then that's where stuff starts to fall apart. They don't really know what to do from there. And so then it's the constant just checking in, hounding them emails, you know, type of thing, uh, rather than stepping back uh, and saying like, where did I kind of mess up here? And a lot of times that's in, not continuing maybe the experience that you gave on the front end, you know, throughout the whole sales process. So yeah. that's a big emphasis of ours. And do you think like there's ever like if you, is there ever time or too late to to do this? Maybe if you didn't do this on the front end, like you know, to just pick it up and say, hey, like you know, maybe someone is ghosting you or something like that, just to kind of pick it up and 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 to try to offer something. You know, what what's your view there? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's ever too late to seek to give someone the kind of experience that they would crave, um, that they would enjoy. Um, <clears throat> you just have to have the right mindset about it. You know, again, if you're looking, if it's only done to meet your own agenda and for you to get something out of it, uh, rather than seeking what's best for uh, the prospect, they may have backed off because they feel like, it's not the greatest fit for them. And it may not be. And maybe you haven't even considered that sort of thing. Uh, but my point being is that if it's if you're only doing things to get something about out of it for you, then it probably won't come across as genuine uh, and sincere. Um, but no, I don't think that there's actually, you know, too, you know, that there's a time where it's too late uh, to, you know, to do something like that, even after you've lost a deal. Uh, you know, because whatever, maybe you never gave them the great, uh, a great experience and you were in it with a few competitors and everybody was pretty much the same. And so because it was commoditized, they just chose the lowest price. Uh, you could still do something that gives them a great experience on the back end after you've lost the deal as well. So, yeah, I don't think it's ever too late. And, um, you know, what do you say to people like, or I'm sure reps are going, man, like, creating a book, um, you know, putting together a campaign, putting a personalized cutting board, dude must have spent a few hours putting that together. Um, I got like a fifth, you know, book of 50 accounts and two or three people at each account. And, and I can't treat everybody the same. Um, you know, I, I'd go crazy. I'd be like a 24 seven operation if, if I was treating every account with a personalized touch. And I don't know if you you, you, you probably look at your pipeline, um, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, strategically too. So it's not like you're able to do this for every single person, but talk to me both about like, 
you know, looking at, cause I know you posted the other day on like the time it takes to do things. Cause you know, it does, it takes some, some time and effort, but like doing it in a way that, um, you know, is an efficient use of this time in, 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 um, doing it. How do you, how do you view, um, like just how you, uh, put together the, uh, the, the, uh, manage the time it takes the, to, to create these things. Yeah. Someone had actually, uh, had a really good comment on, uh, that post, which was basically, uh, you know, you're looking for, uh, time to time to outcome, uh, rather than, uh, you know, time to time to do it basically. Cause when you, when you compare doing something like that book to sending an email, uh, especially a mass email, well, then there's no comparison. The time to do one is so much less, but the effectiveness of one is so much more. So I would rather have a very strong one-to-one communication rather than just something that's probably going to go to spam and not, you know, not even get seen. So, but it's, it is a good point because we can't spend all of our time every single day doing, you know, a, a book for every single contact that we have. And I had, uh, when I first started doing this, I had a list of a hundred accounts and broke them into a, a top 50 and a bottom 50. And I, I did have kind of a different cadence for both the top 50 and the, and the bottom 50. Um, so there's definitely some strategy to it, uh, to see, you know, what, um, you know, kind of knowing what time, you know, how much time it's going to take you to execute on these things, uh, and then be able to build that, uh, build that out and then just be diligent about it because that's where most people struggle really is the consistency of doing anything other than if they have a sequence built that's automated, <laughs> that's, e- it's easy to be consistent, right? Uh, with that, right. Cause the software is doing it for you. Uh, but when we're talking about creative type of outreach, the biggest issue that people have, uh, which is where coaching and about accountability comes in, is just the consistency of, of doing it. And I think one of the biggest things there is that people feel like, oh, I've got to do 50 of these things today. But really, it's more like, you know, five or 10 uh, things and compounded over time. You know, you're talking about, I had someone the other day, it's a great example saying that I only need, you know, basically five to 10 new prospects, essentially new meetings a month. Well, that's like nothing, but they were talking, they were talking about the time it takes just to do the letters, which the letters are pretty much print fold and, you know, stuff in an envelope and mail. So that doesn't really take a whole lot of time, but of course it takes a lot more time than sending an email. But my point to him was as well, how many, you know, do you, what do you think your conversion rate would be if you sent, you know, 10 letters? Do you think one person would favorably respond and, and give you a meeting? And he said, yeah, I think that's, that would, you know, that's reasonable. I said, it's more than reasonable. It's probably, it's very low actually uh, that, you know, one out of, you only get one out of 10, but let's just say that's the case. Well, if you only need five to 10 prospects, we're talking about 50 to a hundred letters. And if you break that down, you know, into 20 working days a month, we're talking about at most five letters a day, which I can do a letter in, let's say it tops two minutes. So if we're talking about five letters a day, that's 10 minutes uh, of prospecting. Anybody can do 10 minutes of prospecting. So there's definitely some strategy involved, but I think a lot of that strategy is breaking it down into those little chunks um, and being consistent on those little behaviors, which we've heard time and time again, right? That's mm-hmm. not anything new under the sun, but it, the same goes 
for this creative outreach is don't try to do too much. Be consistent over time. Know what you want to do. Measure. See what is working. If the books aren't working, if the cutting boards aren't working and you're spending $50 a shop, uh, then maybe don't do it. If the cutting boards work every time, then it doesn't matter if you're spending $50, <laughs> right? And so there's more that goes into that. But those are probably the things that I would say is that, uh, you know, be consistent, you know, ch chunk it down, be consistent, measure over time and adjust and iterate. Uh, yeah. The things that we all know and very seldom actually practice. Yeah. Why do you think this isn't more like, um, you know, because it seems like the way, like once you've done this and gotten some, some success and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to bet like people that haven't gotten success, that's where the, like the, the objections come and like, that sounds great, but like, I just, and then you hear the excuses of like, why it won't work. Um, so why is it that you think um, like creative outreach like this maybe hasn't been like um, more, you know, kind of uh, well adopted through more sales teams? Because I imagine like you're reaching out to folks, like you said, most sales teams are just, maybe they're doing like, hey, share, share one good thing. Maybe they have one or two people on the sales teams that are doing some kind of creative things or sending mugs or sending, you know, t-shirts out. But like, it's, it's just kind of a, a one-off scenario and like it's celebrated, but it's not like a, a consistent everyday culture shift of, of, of the, you know, the, the team, people basically saying, well, that's good for some of our reps that are more creative, but like they don't realize that everyone has the ability to be creative. So why do you think that this isn't more uh, adopted in your mind, um, you know, through more, more sales teams? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think it's simply the combination of uh, still short-term thinking and outsized expectations. Um, so when you combine the two, if you have short-term thinking, then again, you are going to be focused on the uh, on that short-term result, which is, you know, I've got to get that 15 minutes booked, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on the calendar or else it's not successful. Uh, it's not successful if I don't get that meeting. Mm -hmm. And then because we hear so many good things about contact marketing, rebellion style outreach, whatever you want to call it, your preferred uh, term for it is uh, because, and then you, if you've got someone that has already has short-term thinking, but then they hear these things that, oh, I sent three cutting boards to three CISOs and I got two meetings from those CISOs and they're thinking, oh, well, this is the next best thing, the next greatest hack, right? <laughs> uh, and so they take the tactic, if you will, if that's what you want to call it, and they use it. And if they don't get the same exact result mm. and it's, mm. well, that didn't work. You know, I see that all the time or hear that all the time where someone said, well, I tried the crumpled letter before and it just didn't work for me. I really thought I'd get a whole lot better response. Well, one response is not really what we're looking for. It's that do we get inbound from the letters and other things that we do? Sure. But that's not really where most of the success comes from. It's still the fortune is still in the follow-up. Uh, no matter what you're doing, whether it's, you know, creative or not, because you can be successful with following up with someone 56 times, probably too, right? And just that consistency over time when they have a need. But, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, I hear this, I, it didn't work for me. I didn't, I didn't get the response that I thought I might. And then I asked them, well, what was your experience with it? Well, I sent out, you know, a batch. Well, what was the size of that batch? It was like, 
eight letters or 12 letters. And so, uh, and then they might even tell me that I had a couple of conversations, but you know, we didn't book the meeting. Um, but they, but they did well. So what did they say about the outreach? They said they really liked it, but <laughs> you know, they just weren't ready to meet. Well, that's a win. What people don't understand is that is a win. You had a good conversation with someone on the phone that enjoyed what you sent to them. Were they ready for a meeting? No. And a lot of times that's also our own fault, right? Because they still are pushing for this meeting and they're not really thinking about the prospect and just kind of hoping that the letter does all the work for them and they're, and it does do a lot of work for us. <laughs> so there is a way to, uh, to have that conversation still. Um, but even if you don't, you have to understand that those are wins, good conversations with people that have yeah. pleasant conversations with you and enjoy it. That is an end to where you can send them something else. You don't have to stop your cadence. Uh, if they say, well, I might be ready in three months you can send them a coffee stained letter next week <laughs> or two weeks from, uh, you know, from yeah, then. And yeah. you can still take them through this whole experiential process. Um, so, but that's, if I was going to boil it down, that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's the short, still the short-term thinking outsized expectations of uh, what it should be, what it's, you know, been, been like for other people. And that's the way it is with any kind of hack that we see, right? This specific email template. We got to send it and we say it word for word and we sent it to 50 people and nobody cared. And well, like it doesn't work. Well, you know, we, we hear that stuff all the time. It's not really much different than what we hear uh, when we talk to people about creative outreach. It's, it's those things that going back to what I just said, they weren't consistent with it. Uh, they didn't have, you know, long-term relationship uh, thinking in mind. Um, and so it just doesn't end up, you know, taking root. So, yeah. I mean, you said so much, so much there. I mean, I think the biggest thing, like you just said, like consistency and, and thinking about like the relationship and like, are you trying to get a meeting or are you trying to be remembered? Mm -hmm. You know, are you trying to get a meeting or are you trying to uh, <clears throat> break through the clutter? Like, are you trying to go for a, um, uh, a thought that the person thinks, this person's unique, or are you just trying to, again, for you, like you're, th you're, you're trying to get the person to think of you and remember you as something, you know, succinctly unique and like, they've never seen anyone else even attempt to do. And that's a win. If you, now they may not be ready to buy what you have, or may not be ready to do a meeting with you or whatever, but when the time is right, or when something you, you never know, I, I'm sure there are people that you've you know, done this too. And then you haven't heard from until a year or two later. I think you even put a post on LinkedIn. Someone contacted you from something you did at a previous job and mm -hmm. they were ready to buy or something. And you're like, that's awesome. Like, I don't even work there anymore. But like, they remembered you like years later. And yeah. that's, I mean, obviously this stuff goes in conjunction with other strategies, right? Like more short-term, like, you know, it doesn't replace cold calling or, you know, email, um, you know, outreach or LinkedIn. It's just, it's something that, you know, needs to be added in um, and just consciously consistent, staying consistent with. And I think when, when you do that, obviously the combination gets you remembered. Um, last thing before I ask you my final, final question, what do you do? Like um, another thing uh, I sometimes, you know, some, some people might be thinking, man, how did this guy get so many addresses for people? And now, now that we're all working from home, um, how is this guy sending a, a carving board to some guy's address 
you know, in Utah or something off of LinkedIn? Like what, what's he using? What, what any, any, um, you know, good tips there for people that are just like trying to get mailing addresses for folks. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've had students kind of run into those same things and, and ask that, uh, and not that I haven't, you know, myself, uh, as well. Uh, the first thing is, is that I focus on the people that I know are there, um, you know, that are, that I know are at their business address. And so it's going to be easy to get them something. So I'm going to, uh, you know, drill down on those prospects that I know will get what I send. I know they're going into the office. Uh, but I just, I just ask, uh, so I call, ahead. Uh, you know, you didn't have to do this, you know, before everybody was working from home, but now I just, you know, if I'm going through a list, I don't have 1500 names, of course, uh, but I will call the company and um, essentially try to find out what's going on with the contact or contacts within that company as far as their their work status, uh, if they're working in the office, if they're working from home. Uh, if they're not working, if they're working in the office, whether it's one day a week or five days a week, great. They're, I'm in no rush. They're gonna get it that one day a week that they come in, right? It's great. Uh, if they're not working from the office ever at all, or just you know once a quarter they come in or something, then I simply just ask if there's an alternate address uh, that something can be sent to. Uh, sometimes I'll get an alternate address and it might be a mailing locker or uh, an office that's closer to the person, you know, because they live in another state. So that's happened sometimes. Um, and then other times I will just ask the person directly <laughs> that I'm going to send something to. I'll send an email and say, uh, you know, just be mailing address uh, in the subject line. And uh, in the email, I just say, Hey, I was trying to send you a package and um, in the mail, you know, an actual mailed package like Amazon and uh, wanted to see if I could get a good mailing address for you. And a lot of times I've just gotten people that respond with their mailing address and they, and then they, with the mailing address, they say, what's coming to me or something. <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah. Well, it's a surprise. And nice, uh, nice. And, I love and that. I just I send it that. along and not everybody gives you their mailing address. And some people ask beforehand and we kind of have yeah. a conversation and yeah, yeah. Uh, I say, well, I'm not trying to be vague and it's nothing scary. I promise. You know, I'm just, uh, I just wanted to send you something that I hope you'll enjoy. Uh, it's meant to get your attention. If you don't care about it, that's totally fine. Uh, but I want to, I want to spend some time trying to earn that. And so I'd like to send you this surprise package um, if you'll let me do that. And so that's basically how I frame it. And then most people are kind of like, okay, that sounds good. And will give me an address. Uh, and it may not be their specific home address. It, you know, it may just be a PO box or, or whatever the case is. Um, but those are some things that I've done to get addresses for, I'd say probably 95% of the people that were trying to send things to through the mail. Nice. I love it. I'm, I'm going to have to record, like rewind this. This is perfect. I love it. Sometimes people think too, like, oh no, you don't have to send me a gift. Cause if you have ask someone from my address, no need to send me a gift is what you hear back or something. Yeah. It's like, oh no, not, not a gift. It's just, uh, you know, something that I think can, you know, uh, get your attention. I, th I was thinking of you, something I thought you'd like. It's a surprise. I'd like to, you know, it's going to be something meaningful. I think, I hope it's, it's, uh, you know, it's just something I wanted to to, to do for right. you. I promise it's not going to be something. If you don't crazy. like it, throw it in the trash. If you, if you don't like it, throw it directly into the trash. Um, right, right. You, know, yeah. you won't hurt my feelings. I love yeah. that little uh, disclaimer. 
Um, Jeremiah, I could talk to you for a, a minute, my man. I hope uh, that uh, everybody jotting some notes down right now. Um, you know, to close, like, I feel like, you know, you, you do so many unique things um, with outreach. And this is a question just about you, the person. I just think there's so much that, um, you know, about us that uh, are just like only things that we can do or only things that we're, um, you know, uh, that really others could get from us. So my question to you is, if I asked your wife, your kids, the people close to you, what is just uh, something or an event that could only or would only happen to Jeremiah Griffin? What would they tell me? Just something that is like just so totally Jeremiah. What would they? What would they? What, what stories? What would they tell me about you? So, like a story from my past or whatever. It could be a story. It could be just anything that, like you, like there's just like no one else in the world does this. No other event would this happen to. Um, it's just you know so totally you. Oh, probably. Um... My kids and my wife's answer would probably be somewhat different, but I think my wife would say, if I could sum him up in a story, uh, like kind of a lot of things that you would need to know about Jeremiah would be uh, when I <laughs> when I auditioned for American Idol when I was like 24 or something like that. Okay. So I drove down to Memphis and I got three speeding tickets in three different states over three days. Um, <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that cost a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and I sat in the American Idol like audition thing for, I don't know, it was like 12 hours. Um, I went there by myself. I didn't go with any family members, friends or anything like that. Uh, but I left there with probably like 25 new friends, the people that were around me. <laughs> Uh, just different contacts and they were from all different states some of them i still uh you know keep in contact to to or with uh to this day uh which it was basically i only knew him for about 12 hours and i haven't even like seen him since um but uh and then i went and uh, i auditioned and i had basically a, a few different rounds uh that i went through um and then eventually you know got got kicked off uh got kicked off the island or whatever they call it because uh, I never watched the show. Um, but and then, you know, just made my way back to, uh, you know, home through through all the different states uh, and basically kind of acted like nothing really happened. Like it was no big deal. I, I went down there on a whim. Other people told me, to, you know, that I should try it. And I, you know, didn't really think anything of it. And so and that's kind of how I am. I'm just I am, I can definitely be impulsive, which is probably why creative outreach uh, sits well with me, right? Like being able to think of new things on the fly and, and using those and, and, and doing that. Um, uh, and then that level of just kind of creativity and spontaneity of, of going and doing that, um, but not being stressed out about anything, not uh, having disappointment, uh, weigh me down uh, and just kind of being able to come back and just, you know, be the same person. Uh, so I try to stay pretty even, uh, especially as a parent of four kids, you know, not too high, not too low, which I think is extremely valuable in a sales career as well, because uh, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows. And if you're on this roller coaster of emotions with it, um, then you're, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of 
just a, you're going to have a very emotional career that might be very difficult. Uh, and so I think that might be a, a good story that kind of sums that uh, sums that up. So not too high, not too low, no matter the circumstances. Um, and that's what it is. So that's a great description, man. Um, you know, Jeremiah, where can people learn more about this creative outreach, uh, connect with you in a very you know creative way or just, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, keep tabs on what you're doing? Um, yeah, probably the best couple of places are uh, LinkedIn. I'm trying to be more uh, consistent with content and sharing some of these things. Of course, we can't go into all the detail and share all the secrets of every single thing that we do. And some of that, of course, has got to be reserved for students and, and whatnot. But uh, but there's some good things and tips that, uh, that people can find through LinkedIn and connect with me there. Uh, also, the Rebel Slack uh, community, It's a, again, it's a free group. Anybody can join. Uh, we put the link, my, uh, myself and Dale put those links in almost every post uh, that we do in the comments. Uh, you can get in there, ask us uh, questions directly, ask the community at large. Uh, I'm very active in there. Uh, I even have the picture of me when I was the Viking, when I did the, the Viking stuff. And so I'm still the Viking in the in the Slack group and, and all that good stuff. So those are probably the two uh, best places. Um, but yeah, always willing to help uh, some folks out as they look to incorporate more of this uh, rebellion type creative outreach in their, uh, in their sales career. Cause I think that they deserve to know the success that it can bring them and to experience the enjoyment and fulfillment that they can get by uh, adding in this type of experiential things to their outreach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jeremiah, thank you. Thank you uh, for joining today, man. It's been an awesome conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Great to be my my first podcast uh, ever. First of many, first of many, brother. Thank you so much. Awesome. Right. Appreciate it. Hey gang, all right, wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.